Welcome to the Journal Hijabi podcast. I'm your host, Sirin, and here we're all about elevating the voices of hijabi women in mainstream media through authentic storytelling. Without further ado, let's begin the episode. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Why don't you... Uh, introduce yourself to our listeners a little bit like a bio about you. Yeah, so my name is Natasha Zalatal. I am a Muslim and modest fashion content creator on Instagram. Um, I've been doing that for almost about a year now, alhamdulillah. I am a convert to Islam, so I converted um, in 2020, alhamdulillah, and I did not study anything related to content creation. I actually studied, I got my master's recently in conservation biology, and I studied environmental sciences in my undergrad, but now I'm working as a full-time content creator. And I'm originally from Puerto Rico, but I'm currently residing in Florida. Awesome. You know, on that part that you touched a bit, the, the master's in conversation biology, that's like something that I found out last night while like going through your Instagram and I saw the reel where you know you did like a content creation video of like what to wear to work as a hijabi and then I opened the reel and I was like I see uh not six flags sea world and I was like oh my god like I didn't know you were at sea worlds and I have like so many like never in my life would I have known that like a hijabi worked at sea world and I used to we used to go there as children it was like our childhood place I loved it and then seeing kind of like the progression of sea world and sort of it i guess dying down in the ethics ethos world of like having killer whales and stuff like that so we'll definitely touch on that a little bit more because i also have my masters and i sort of like geek out at like other people have their masters so we could chat about that later <laughs> um so let's start off with the the kind of the first question uh, of today's episode um so kind of you talked about like you can, you converted to islam and so kind of before converting to islam there's like this prior sort of life experience that you grew up in and so you've mentioned that your mom was is 
was or is Catholic and your dad is Mormon. And so can can you kind of like maybe highlight or touch on like how it was kind of growing up um, with like those two kind of different beliefs and then how sort of that led you to uh, wearing the hijab and then like accepting uh, Islam? Yeah, of course. So I do want to clarify because I know that um, I had posted a video talking about like I have a very mixed background in terms of faith and race and ethnicity. So my mother was born into a Catholic family and grew up Catholic, but she um, and my father, you know, um, his parents were Mormon when he was younger. He kind of grew up with um, in a very like Mormon community in Arizona and um, both of them individually um, kind of started converting to Christianity. I believe my father was first on his own journey. Um, he kind of was, you know, had beliefs, wasn't fully Mormon. Eventually he like found the Christian church, converted to like non-denominational Christian. Um, by the time he met my mom, she was more agnostic, I'm assuming, because she wasn't so practicing Catholicism. And so they kind of became like non-denominational Christian together. So they both had their own conversion experiences. Um, and so that's what I was raised with. I was raised like in a Christian family with a Christian upbringing, going to church every Sunday, going to like Sunday school and, you know, Wednesday Bible circle, whatever. Bible studies. Yeah. And and when I was in Puerto Rico, because I spent... Um, Part of my childhood growing up in Puerto Rico, back and forth between the states, uh, the schools there are Catholic private schools. So um, you have to teach, uh, you have to take religions that they just teach Catholicism. And, you know, they have like mass at school. And, you know, so I was very involved in like both Christianity and Catholicism. But personally, I considered myself Christian at the time. I was very religious and spiritual growing up. Um especially high school, you know, I started getting into the youth group in my church and kind of really just being very spiritual on my own. Instead of like when you're a kid, your parents kind of make you go to church and <laughs> you kind of dread it. I started kind of finding my own connection to faith. Whenever there were some issues I had with the community and some beliefs that weren't entirely always aligning in my mind, and that was ever since I was little, and, you know, as you get older, those kind of become more apparent. So when I went to college, I remember I actually brought like a Bible with me to college and then I put it on my shelf and I made the decision that I was going to be agnostic and step away from Christianity because I didn't want to just follow the faith that I was raised with, that I was told to follow. I wanted to kind of figure out for myself, like, what is it that I believe in without people spoon feeding that information to me? And so I decided to be agnostic and kind of figure out at the most basic spiritual level, like, what do I believe in? And I'm a very, like, scientific person. All, all of my studies, academic studies have been, like, grounded in science. So I really wanted to approach that in, like, a very scientific way. I still had faith. I still believe in God. Um, and as I worked through that, you know, I had friends, I went to NYU, so I had friends from all over the world of different faiths and different backgrounds, introduced me to their faiths. And I had some friends who were Muslim. Most of my friends were actually Hindu, funny enough. Um, 
and I would participate. Like they would have their cultural, their um, religious events and festivals, and I would participate with my friends. But I did have a minority of friends who were Muslim, and they would talk to me on occasion, like, "What do you believe in?" And they weren't so open about Islam. I think because they didn't want to feel like they were pushing out on anyone. Like now, being Muslim myself, I understand why. Maybe like I don't go around talking to my non-Muslim friends so heavily about Islam unless they ask. So looking back on it, I understand why my friends weren't more open about their practice. But when I did share them about my personal beliefs, they would tell me it sounds a lot like Islam. They're like, "What you believe in as a person aligns like exactly with what Islam is." So they always encouraged me. You know, I had made. The intention that when I finished college, I would really like pick one faith and start really studying it. They encouraged me to pick Islam. They were like, out of all the religions that they were familiar with, they told me, you know, Islam seems like it's the best fit for you. Even my friends who were Hindu or Buddhist told me the same thing, because you know they came from countries where all those three religions are very predominant and present, so they were familiar with Islam, even if they weren't Muslim themselves. They would tell me the similar thing, that it really seems like your faith would align with Islam, so you should look into it. So I had this intention that the last day of my undergrad, I would look into Islam. So this was during COVID, and I actually reached out to a friend of mine that I was gonna, we we're all gonna go to Six Flags as a big group, and a friend of mine was gonna bring me an English Quran, and I had made the intention that day to start taking Islam seriously and looking to Islam, Subhanallah, and um. They actually forgot their English girl on that day, but that day I also met my husband through mutual friends, and he became like that, like doorway I needed to step into Islam. I think had I come into it by myself, I would have had a very different experience.、Um, I don't think I would have been directed to the proper sources, and I had all these misconceptions about Islam because that's just. The place I grew up, you know, there's not a lot of Muslims in Puerto Rico. There's like not a lot of Muslims at all, so they have a very different perception of Muslims. I would say even worse than you would find in the states. I feel like they're more accepting of Muslims in the states. You go to these, you know, Latin countries, Latin American countries. It's very, very different. So I'm really thankful that Allah like, placed this person in my life, like that was Kader, you know, and.、Um, My husband and I's relationship when we first met kind of blossomed on the premise entirely of Islam. Now being married, you know, they always say like the closer you are to Allah, the closer you are to your spouse. So, you know, I see now how we grew so close together because we kind of both built our relationship upon Islam and upon like getting close to Allah. And I ended up. We, you know, would talk about Islam, and he would answer my questions. We got to know each other over the course of about. When we met in September, I converted in November.、It、took me about two months to convert, and then we got married in December secretly. We got secretly married because, of course, like no one was like like imagine a Puerto Rican revert just converted, especially the person I was back then. Like stuck for a long, much. Different person now, but like his family's Bengali, only Bengali community in Queens, New York City. Like it was like Romeo and Juliet, forbidden love. It was a whole drama. Okay, so let's go back. <laughs> let's. Let, we're gonna touch on that. So 
<laughs> I like to kind of do like sort of like a timeline. So yeah. you're, fi you're finishing up undergrad college. You decide you're like still sort of delving into like Islam with your friends, Muslims, sort of um, Hindus, sort of like that group. So you all meet at Six Flags. So this Muslim guy meets y'all at Six Flags. Did you and who ends up being your husband and kind of beautify? You said beautify the idea of modesty to you, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So did you know him like prior? Or was that the first time that like you saw him at Six Flags? So funny enough, and he, and he came to Quran. He came to Six Flags with the Quran. No, so so it's two different people. So. That group, like SubhanAllah, Allah has such a funny way of making things work out. I knew multiple people in that group that they didn't even know each other. It was a group of like all Bengali Muslims from Queens. And somehow everybody just knew everybody. Half of them were already friends with each other. It was very, it was very interesting how we all came together that day. One of them, a friend of mine from NYU, was supposed to bring me an English Quran. He forgot. But like, I take that as a sign, like, I don't think Allah wanted me to just take a pick up a Quran and just read it. You know, the way my cause because I've read the Quran. I remember reading the Quran back then versus when I read it now. The way my husband kind of gently introduced me to all these concepts that, you know, sometimes aren't really elaborated in the Quran. Like there's so much context to the Quran that just reading it alone, there's so much information you're missing out on. So there's two different people. So I met my husband that day in that friend group. That they're all Bengali Muslims, all of them. And like they all kind of knew never, each other. Like you didn't know your husband beforehand. You met him there? So funny enough, at that moment, that day, I was convinced I had never met this man before in my life. <laughs> so was he. Mm. We thought we were meeting each other for the first time. Funny enough, we had actually met once earlier that summer. And just didn't remember. But when we met earlier that summer, again, with similar mutual friends, we all went out one day. Like, we got along very well. And I remember, like, it wasn't until actually a couple months into us, like, almost around the time we got married, where we kind of realized, like, wait, were you there that day? Like, did we meet? And then all the memories came flooding back because we spent the whole, we went out with a group of people. And it was just us talking the whole time, like everyone listening to our conversation. We were talking about like God and like origins of the universe and philosophy, but we just did not remember yeah. that. So to me, it was six like I was meeting him for the first time. <laughs> Very deep yeah. couples for Six Flags, about to go on a roller coaster, and it's like crazy. Yeah. So he well, that of... was that that conversation happened when we met earlier in the summer. We all like went out to dinner like okay. with people and we met that first time. But we had forgotten. Whenever we met again in Six Flags, yeah. we forgot that we've met once before. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I think that's just such an amazing story. And like when you were kind of explaining it to me prior, it was like he explained like Islam to you in a way that beautified, you said, beautified the idea of modesty. And you said like you would spend hours talking and you would go to like the coffee shop. I guess the story isn't really like told that much. I want you to kind of sort of talk yeah. about that experience. 
I think reflecting on it now, what was so different from my experiences growing up with faith and with religion, I grew up feeling like you can't ask questions. And I wouldn't even blame my parents for that because when I really started discovering spirituality and faith for myself, it was through other communities, like the church, youth groups, school. I felt like I couldn't really ask questions. Like, and people didn't really know their why. Like, they didn't know why they were doing what they were doing. They had no idea. And even now becoming Muslim, I had a misconception, you know, being introduced to Islam through my husband because, mashallah, like, he's, he's very, for, for someone who's not like an alim, he's very knowledgeable in terms of understanding the whys. And that's because he's had his own I feel like a lot of people who grew up Muslim, some of them go through their own rediscovering period where they kind of have like a conversion themselves, where they kind of find Islam for themselves as an adult. And he had that. And so he had all these questions and he had done so much research and spoken to so many like muftis and sheikhs and, you know, had heard the answer to these questions that I had. Questions that growing up, no one either wouldn't answer or didn't know the answer and almost would discourage me asking because they didn't know the answer. And almost took it as disrespectful. Like, if I had a question, like, why do we do this? Why do we do that? It was always like, because God said so. Like, who? how dare you question God? And I didn't like that approach. I think, again, you know, coming into the Muslim community, I know, like, not every Muslim is, is knowledgeable as to why they do what they do. But, subhanAllah, my husband was. So when I was able to come up with these questions, he didn't discourage me. He didn't make me feel like stupid or dumb. He didn't judge me for not knowing the answer. He didn't criticize me for questioning as if it was some disrespect to Allah or anything. I remember at the time, like, it was so new to me that when I described, like, what God was to me, <laughs> I stuck for the love, but I kind of described God as like an it. I was like, it's like this, like, it, like, you know, has no gender, has no form, just like this all-powerful being of a thing you know and and he didn't get mad at me for like calling God an it or anything because he knew that I was just trying to understand and express what it was I believed in so he was very gentle and encouraging there was no like negative emotions no judgment it was very judgment free um, and no pressure I think that that was a really really big thing which is you know now having converted myself and you know being a content creator you know i talk to these reverts all the time and people considering reverting it's a lot islam is a lot and at times it can be very overwhelming so whenever he was introducing me to all these things i never felt like he pressured me to suddenly accept everything at once i know one of the things he told me he's like well the quran was revealed over 23 years and you're learning all this information over the course of three weeks, it's going to be a lot, you know? And no one expects you to just... That's the alarm going off. <laughs> no one... Is it too loud? Because I, I can try to turn it off. No, no, it's good, it's good. So no one expected me to, like, suddenly become, like, this perfect Muslim overnight. And, and that was very important to yeah. me. Um, so you know, being able to have someone gently guide me through it, especially with hijab. 
And I kind of see my reversion and my hijab as like totally different. Having someone guide me like through the process of modesty, introducing me to modesty, because that wasn't something I really ever knew, even though in Catholicism, like you have nuns and like you should be modest and like the Mother Mary. Yeah, the communities I were in were Mother just Mary, not that. Like they didn't practice what they preached. Um, and modesty to me was more so like you need to cover up because we have guests coming over or you're not decent. You need to cover up. It was almost like in a very shameful way. And it was very hypocritical. Like you cover up in some situations, but then you go to the beach in a bikini and like it was so inconsistent. So Wait, it was this really was like in, uh, in, in Catholicism or oh, just like in that culture, you know, like that was my mm. introduction to modesty. You know, you should cover up. People are coming like you don't want them to look at you in a weird way. It, it was just it was a very it was just icky, like all the emotions That's surrounded by it. That's yeah, wishy-washy. And, and it was very <laughs> hypocritical, like it wasn't consistent when you were modest versus when you weren't. Um, and when I would try to ask questions like, well, why now? Why here? Why not there? I would get the same answer, you know, just cause, just because that's what you're expected to do. Um, it was the first time I was being introduced to modesty in a bigger concept as like modesty and faith, consistent modesty. Um, and also I'm so thankful to my husband for being knowledgeable enough to understand that hijab is not just a headscarf, but it's modesty in your speech, modesty in your thoughts, in your heart, in your actions. That was the first time I had been like explained any of that. Men wear, so, the, hijab too. Men wear the hijab too. Just had a very different introduction to modesty growing up. Um, and it was kind of something that, I don't know, just invoked a lot of feelings of shame so as I was saying, you know, I was very thankful that my husband kind of introduced me not just hijab in terms of a headscarf, but hijab in everything, hijab in action, hijab of the eyes, of the mind, of the heart, of the speech, because that really kind of helped me to see hijab as a more holistic, rounded thing. It was very much like an intentional like way of being rather than just how you present yourself. And that was a lot easier to digest because it just made a lot more sense to me personally. Um, I think that if I didn't see modesty as uh, choosing to dress modestly, I'll implement all these changes in my life and in my behavior, the places I frequent, you know, the people I'm around, the things that I say, the things that I do because I wear hijab, um, that it was a more like rounded off change that was easier for me to accept than like you just have to cover because we tell you to, you have to cover um and that was just very encouraging to me and so he never pressured me to wear hijab you know everyone when you first convert you get married you start wearing hijab they all think your husband forces you to wear hijab now everybody knows it's 100 percent like what i want i think my husband is even surprised i don't think he ever thought he would be with a woman who's like you know wearing not showing her hair at all, wearing full abayas almost every day. Um, alhamdulillah. So, you know, it's, he never pushed me. And my hijab journey has been all over the place. I would, I would say like a lot of people, I've had my ups and downs. I've had times where I've tried to take it off. Obviously I didn't announce it, but I had times where, you know, I would go out and I didn't want to wear it. And, you know, 
my friends, especially my husband, was very supportive of that because he could have just easily told me, you need to put it on. And he never did that, ever. It was very um, accepting and encouraging. Um, and, and that completely changed my relationship with hijab because a lot of hijabis I know didn't grow up with that. It was very much like, you need to do this whether or not you want to. And it kind of almost damages their relationship with hijab. So I'm very thankful to Allah that, you know, my husband kind of made it so much more approachable, you know, and digestible that it's not something I have to have perfect overnight. It's something I'll spend my whole life. I'll wean and I'll wane. And, you know, I, if anything, like I ask my husband sometimes to push me because he's so accepting, which like, like, subhanAllah, like I would rather have someone who's on his end of the spectrum versus someone who just forces me to wear and does not give me any choice at all. Sometimes I have to ask him, like, push him? me, you know. Um, sometimes I'll tell him, like, I remember when I first started improving my modesty, I would kind of, like, test that. I'd be like, I'm thinking about wearing this today. And he'd be like, okay, you look nice. I'd be like, no, tell me no. Tell me to go put that avaya on. Like, I want you to push me. I want that. I want someone to push me. And because they know I'm capable of so much more, you know. And, and I want to be pushed, encouraged, you know. And so he does that. I have to ask him to do it. And there are some times where he does push me and I'm like, you know what, I don't want to be pushed today. And then he backs off. So, so it's, it's, it's allowed me to cultivate a very healthy relationship with modesty and hijab that I know not everybody has. So I'm very thankful Tell for that. Tell us about the time you wore the hijab on Halloween. I'm just, I'm just going straight. To... Yeah. So... Take us back to that night. What was going so, on? It was October 31st. Yeah, Halloween. so I'm going to be a hijabi tonight. Again, timeline wise, I was introduced to Islam and my husband mm -hmm. in September, early September, mid September. So by the time October rolled around, I had spent about six weeks looking into Islam, understanding hijab, everything. I had ordered some hijabs <laughs> on culture hijab. <laughs> and I. I remember I was so excited. I ordered like the cotton crinkle hijabs, which I don't even wear anymore. I don't know what it was. I ordered like 10 cotton crinkle They're hijabs. They're not in, girl. And They're now not. I hate cotton <laughs> crinkle hijabs. They're yeah, not they in yeah, it, they but they, they were, were yeah. at the they time. They need to be Otherwise, I wouldn't have ordered them. And it was like, <laughs> it was like cold. No, they can stay where they were. But it was like mm -hmm. cold in New York City, and they looked so warm. And so like in my room... The first time I ever put hijab, I was in my room. This was a couple of days before Halloween. And I still have the snaps. I like I saved them to like my snap camera of like I was like looking in the mirror. And I teared up because it's my first time I had like full coverage. I just had never seen myself like that. And it's like any woman who puts hijab hard, on for yeah. the first time. It's a very subhanAllah, it's just a very emotional response. It's just a very emotional response. But I loved it. I felt so beautiful. And like I can't explain it. There's just it's just such a sacred thing. That's why I believe it is. I think that that feeling really comes. It's just a very sacred thing, whether you're Muslim or not, because I know non-Muslims react that same way. And then it was Halloween. My parents didn't even know. I wasn't Muslim yet. They didn't know I was looking into Islam. Nothing. And like, I was like, well, what better time than Halloween? I can just say it's a costume. So I took my cotton crinkle hijab and I put it on my hair like, like an orna. Like um, like mm -hmm. a dupatta, like very like loose, 
kind of like in South Asia, you'll see like the the very loose drape. You know, you can still see their hair and everything. So I kind of just draped it really loosely over my head, like about here. And I like pinned it with little bobby pins and I just had it very loose. But it was my first time like covering. It's actually really funny because I was wearing like tight skinny jeans, a stuckerilla and like a crop sweater. A but like you couldn't really see anything. It was like high-waisted jeans with a crop sweater. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know, you know, like... Mashallah to the Natasha back then. I just didn't know. So like if I had put my arms up, my whole stomach would have been You didn't out. know better. You didn't, you didn't know. know better. It's okay. I really didn't know. Like I stuck for a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't Muslim yet. So all my sins were forgiven, so it's okay. <laughs> but um yeah, so but I went out and I remember like he wasn't my husband yet, but I was meeting him and I left the house. My parents were kinda sus, but I put on like little cat ears, like a little cat ear head then and I was like it's a costume, like, don't worry about it. And I just, like, went out the door. And and I and I met up with, with, he wasn't my husband yet, but I met up with him, and he was so happy. We were just going to go for did a he, walk. Did he know that he was that so, were, so like, happy to see me, like, trying. On, like, wearing the hijab? Like, did he know what that costume really was? I don't even think, well, yeah, he knew that I was trying to, like, wear a hijab. <laughs> like, I'm sure... I'm sure through his perspective, he wanted to tell me everything I was doing wrong, but he was just yeah. so like happy I was trying. <laughs> so, and and that's what it is, you know. It's 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 the effort, and Allah sees that, right? Even if you aren't doing it right or you don't know better, that's why I love reverts. You know, they're so that's cute. Like, they don't know what they're doing, yeah, but they try their best. I, just, I love it. Allah. So, but and then he he didn't know, and I didn't know that that would be the first time I would like actually. Like, I thought I was just putting it on just to try it on. But I actually really subconsciously made the decision, like, I'm going to be a hijabi. Yeah. Mind you, I was not Muslim yet. But I was like, I'm going to be a hijabi. I didn't do it perfect. I had days where, like, I didn't go with any hijab. But I don't know. Like, I, I made the decision. And I didn't know at the time. This is day one. I didn't know that. Like, I didn't even imagine. I really did not think I would wear hijab. I thought I would be one of those reavers that are Muslim for years and don't wear hijab. I never thought I would be where I am today. Never. But Allah is a change of hearts. It can change you overnight like that. So that was day one. And it was really rough. <laughs> I would say the year and a half after that was really rough. But I never stopped trying. I had the intention where I was like, I want to be a hijabi. I want to do this right. And through a lot of trial and error, I got to where I am today. So you basically so it all started there before you converted to Islam. Yeah. Which is why I don't know about other people and their stories, but I like to think that that's why I have such a different relationship with hijab. Like it's, it's very separate in terms of my relationship to Islam because it kind of like came first. It's what pushed me wearing hijab pushed me to be a better muslim i feel like usually it's the other way around you start being a better muslim more practicing you want to wear hijab for me it was the total opposite i started wearing hijab and i was like i wear hijab i need to clean up my act i need to stop doing this i need to stop talking in this way and engaging in these behaviors and because i'm a hijabi now you know and like that it's not just a veil it's a way of being and presenting mm -hmm. yourself and interacting with people you really just ripped so, the band-aid off you said, nope, straight to the hijab. I'm not even going to open the Quran. Straight to the hijab. <laughs> Boom. And oh. funny enough, everyone tried to discourage me. 
my husband and our friends and even my own family, once they found out I was Muslim, even my husband's family, everyone really, with good intentions, was like, take it slow, slow down. Don't jump straight into hijab. They kind of had that mindset of, once you put it on, you can't take it off, which I personally despise that mindset. That's like saying, if you're not going to start praying five times a day, every day, don't even pray the heart today. Like, don't even bother if you're not going to stick to five times a day for the rest of your life. Because let's say I start wearing hijab today. I'm not doing it perfect, but I'm trying. And Allah knows that. Maybe three years from now, I'm struggling. But three years from now is not promised. I could die tomorrow, but I wore hijab today. And like, more importantly, if I were to die in a state of wearing hijab, had I not worn it because everyone said, oh, well, she's just going to take it off a couple months from now. She's not going to do it right. She doesn't even wear it every day. I don't like that mindset. So I, I make videos talking about that a lot. I think that, you know, everyone tried to slow me down and say, don't jump head first. Don't like take your time with it. Start improving your modesty slowly, which I do wish I kind of would have done. I wish I would have worked on my dress more instead of focusing so much on the day. I think it would have been easier for me to transition. But they really had the mindset of like, don't start wearing hijab until you're ready to commit. And like, even now, I don't preach that. I tell people, I'm like, you know what? Some steps are better than no steps at all. Like, and that applies to anything in Islam. I tell reverts that when they're considering reverting, they're so overwhelmed. Like, you have to get it right. The next day after your conversion, I'm like, some steps, being Muslim at all, True. is better than not being Muslim. Even if you're not ready to take all these steps. You know, if you're not ready to be the perfect Muslim, whatever that it means. It really does come down to, like, the intention in your heart. Because I think that's, like, who you truly are, like, in your soul when it really comes down to it. Like, what your heart is yearning for. So, kind of, at this point, you know, you're becoming, like, a hijabi Muslim woman content creator, creating content. And you started this thing called Blanket Hijabi Talks. And that's actually how I found you through i don't know if it was the i feel ugly in hijab <laughs> one or the psa muslim salams one but maybe both but kind of talk about like yeah you know i know it's sort of tough out here in the muslim content creator world sometimes receiving some backlash or you get a lot of relatability it's it's always the two <laughs> so kind of talk about like starting that how have you found that space of like being a hijabi digital content creator and um uh, the story behind like the weekly blanket talks yeah so i always wanted to be a content creator i actually did travel content before i converted so it's something i always enjoyed making videos um influencing i just did it on a very very small scale <laughs> um and obviously when i converted you know i looked up to these Muslim influencers like they were all I had I didn't have any family any friends nobody to look up to no one to like teach me how to dress or how to wear hijab or anything it was all YouTube tutorials and Instagram posts and so I wanted to do it I think it started off last year around this time actually around February March of last year I wanted to make a video talking about how to find confidence in your hijab and like increase your confidence. That was like one of the first videos I made. Um, and I was just sharing it like so my friends saw it and family members. 
then I was like, you know what? I actually like doing this. I want to help people like with modesty, not just a job, just modesty in general. So I started making videos around April. I made the decision and I told all my friends, I was like, I'm going to hit 10K by the end of this year. And I started posting every single day. And I put a lot of time to my, into my videos. Funnily enough, the, the big video that broke through was um, a combination of the two ideas you said. It was a blanket hijab talk. And it was me talking about why is it that other hijabis don't give me salam on the street? Because as a revert, I've said in the video, I was like, you guys are the only people I can give salam to because I don't know who else is Muslim. I don't have Muslim people in my life. I didn't have Muslim friends. I didn't have Muslim family. Like if I see another hijabi, I'm like, it was like seeing a unicorn. And I was like, oh my gosh, like my ummah. And I wanted to give salam, you know? And people wouldn't give it back. It was so confusing to me. So that idea kind of like came into my mind at like two in the morning. I couldn't sleep. And I was like, I need to film this. I don't know why. I just, I was like, I need to film this. I need to just like post this rant. I need to just get this out there. Cause like, this makes me so mad. I had no idea that people would respond in the way that they did. It was a video, like, I would spend so much time on my videos. It was a video I recorded in dark lighting in my kitchen, poor quality, with a blanket wrapped around my head at 2 in the morning. Like, and I put it together, like, in five minutes, and it blew up. Because it didn't matter the quality of the content or how nice my avaya looked that day. It was very much like, whoa, we all are living the same life right now. Like, we all have the same experiences. I had no idea. It was everybody. Everyone deals with this. And I was like, really? Like, y'all too? I thought it was just me as a little revert. You know, like, maybe people didn't like me, even though they can't tell I'm a revert, you know? So everybody from all walks of life, all ages, men and women, hijabi, not hijabi, Muslim their whole life, reverts, no matter where they were, have that issue if they're in a non-Muslim country. Um, I don't know why to this day. I everyone mean, let's talk about why comments, it like, is why is that? triggering. I mean, I guess I would be triggered, like, if I'd say hi to maybe anyone on the street and they don't say it back, but I'll especially be triggered if I say salam or hi to a hey, that, That's like a personal <laughs> attack. That's a personal attack. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't understand yeah. that. I've tried to, like, convince my mind to, like, maybe they didn't see me. Maybe they had a bad uh, day. They were in the mood to say hi like i just started coming up with like all these excuses maybe they have um i don't know why it's like <laughs> triggering maybe we should like really sit in in those feelings and see maybe of like us hijabis and muslim women already feeling maybe rejected by society and outcasts and then like also receiving that same rejection from people that look like us so i don't know maybe like it hits a, a, a deep wound or something but exactly I mean, I think it's great that you're like shedding a light on it through this relatable content at 2 a.m. with a blanket, which is really how I started the Journal HW podcast, too. So, yeah, and I really don't think in making I'm, I made more of those blanket job talks and every time they do well, because, you know, I'm not always offering a solution. Sometimes it really is just people want their problems to be seen. They want their struggles to be seen. You know, we struggle with so much in silence. It's really nice to not only hear someone else be like, hey, this is what I go through. And you're like, oh, wow, me too. I thought I was only one. But to see thousands and thousands of comments 
Hey, it's Sitting here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the end of this episode. We did have to cut it a little bit abruptly because we had technical difficulties on the audio side, but nonetheless, we're continuing these conversations and tune in as we continue the dialogue of Muslim women. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube at Journal Hijabi and follow us on Instagram at Journal Hijabi. Leave us a DM with any feedback or questions, and we hope to see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks for reaching the end of the episode. We hope you learned something new about the women who wear the hijab. You can watch the recorded video of this episode on YouTube at Journal Hijabi. And be sure to follow our Instagram at Journal Hijabi to stay updated on all things hijabi and help spread our stories. Until next time, never forget the power of being a hijabi.